Please listen carefully. Welcome to Autism in the Wild, the show that talks about what it's really like living with autism. Here are your hosts, Noah and Chris. Alright, welcome to another episode of Autism in the Wild. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Noah. And today we have a, a, um, a couple of guests, a mom and son duo. I will let you guys introduce yourselves. So I'm Teresa Noy. This is my son, Regal. Um, we live outside of the Philadelphia area. I am the author of the book, Hello Autism, How to Love, Like, and Learn from Your Special Needs Child. Um, and it's just a beautiful blueprint of hope and encouragement for families and um, talking about our journey with Regal. So Regal, I'll let you introduce yourself too. So my name is Regal Noy, and I currently am a freshman at the University of Tulsa in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Currently majoring in environmental policy there. I'm just excited to see what's in store for me beyond that. Yeah, great. That's so exciting. Uh, Noah's in his second year of college. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do you like college so far, Regal? Well, so far, so good. I've just kind of just found my groove and I just have just stayed in it and just repeated that same routine over and over mm -hmm. until, until it was over. And then I just plan to go back to it first thing in January. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. yeah so, so what have you found to be uh, the most challenging thing about college so far? I guess having to adapt to the environment where it's, where it's non-traditional as we're all in the midst of the pandemic. Mm. So yeah. most of the traditional elements have kind of just been scrapped or set aside. So unfortunately, when we get there, we're kind of just stuck there literally the entire three months. And it just, we kind of just go back and forth and back and forth without much movement. Noah, what about you? What have you found different about this year? Um, well, really just every, like all the traditional stuff is very different. Um, like for my school, we didn't go actually to campus until October. Mm. And my semester actually goes from October to the end of January as to as from the usual like August to December. So that's different. Um, just how things are set up are quite different, but it gives me, it makes me feel a little better that everyone else doesn't really know what they're doing <laughs> when they're doing this. It kind of, it's like, okay, I'm not the only one here who's like on pins and needles every day trying to figure out how we're mm -hmm. going to make this work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, we don't have, there's no template for this, right? We don't have anything to, to follow. We're all just figuring it out as we go along. I also work at a university. I work at Eastern University. Yeah, we're, we're 
doing our best to serve the students, but we all have to be really flexible because things are always changing constantly. So we have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, and then the plan that we have to figure out on the fly when none of those work. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, very interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, the segue into, you know, beginning of our experience with autism, you didn't have a road a roadmap. There was no blueprint. You know, now everyone's trying to figure it out. That's that was us. And right. maybe you guys too when yeah. when you were just getting started. When can you tell me a little bit about your your journey? Yeah, well, Regal was diagnosed when he was three. But actually, and and I have to say my husband really insisted, he really pushed for that because Regal was our first child. I don't know, we didn't know anything, right? And so he wasn't reaching some of those developmental milestones, but in my opinion, I've just felt like, well, he's the only child, he's the first child, so there's no other siblings, you know, to usually when there are other siblings that challenges the kid to move a little faster because they're imitating their siblings. Um, but I was like, you know, he's just, this, he's moving at his own pace. He's cool. We don't have any other siblings and he's okay. But my husband really was like, no, I think we need to, we need to pursue this. So we went to the doctor and the, and the, and the doctor said the same thing. Oh, everybody moves at their own pace. Yeah. But again, my husband was very insistent. So we did, um, we did get him evaluated. Well, let me say this, we got him evaluated, but after I still pushed to wait a little bit because I said, well, let's put him in preschool because then he'll be around other kids, right? Um, and once he got around other kids, then he'll start to, to imitate them. But it was when he got into preschool that we realized that he wasn't interacting or engaging with the other kids. Um, and also the, the teachers uh, actually called us in about two weeks in and told us that he wasn't a good fit for the preschool and he kind of kicked him out. <laughs> I say he got kicked out of preschool. And so after that, then I said, okay, Henry, let's, let's do this. Henry's my husband. And we um, had him evaluated. Well, initially they had the, um, the, um, the early intervention unit come to our home because we had to wait. Sure. I don't know about you, but the waiting list, it took a long time for us to get into the developmental pediatrician. So um, with the developmental pediatrician, um, it was a year long wait. And so finally, after we got in with that, by the time that happened, Rico was three. And that's when back then the diagnosis was PDD, pervasive developmental disorder. They don't use that anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we didn't have all of the wonderful resources that are available now. Um, we, we were like just figuring it out. I was, uh, did a lot of, um, research online, trying to figure out what would be the best fit for us. 
Um, and we actually decided to go a, a social therapy route, which was called the Sunrise Program. It was really intensive play, social interaction, and the parents are trained and they run the program themselves with volunteers and professional staff. So we did that for six years, 40 to 50 hours a week, very intensive. And um, we just, you know, but it was the best thing because it really, it really helped us to be more laid back and easy with it. It wasn't like so intense, it was regal. It was really just playing with Regal. We've just played all the time and we built a bridge from his world into our world. Um, and there were always people coming over, playing with him in your playroom, right? Um, and as a result of that, um, he slowly just began to make incremental steps and language came and eye contact and you know, one big celebration after another, celebrating all the little things, right? Yeah. Um, and just slowly over time, he just became more engaged and interested in the world around him because he was he was self-sufficient in his own world. Very happy, but just in his in his own space. We did that and we also did a lot of nutritional things as far as uh, foods and uh, eating, probiotic rich diet, healing the gut. Um, so we, we went a, a very um, non-traditional route. And, uh, but that, that's what really resonated with us that felt good for us and worked for our family. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the things you just said really resonate with our journey as well. We, yeah. um, we didn't, we were able to get our kids into a preschool, like a special ed preschool oh. when they were about two and a half years old. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we, they first started in our home. They came in and worked with the guys internal and my wife paired with the teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, we did that. And then they got into a preschool and uh, kind of went, stayed in the preschool system, you know, until they went to kindergarten. So uh -huh. We were fortunate we were able to do that, but they always gave us homework to do at home and right, right, you know, yeah, work with the kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we had some good, we had some good success too with the non traditional, um, like um, nutritional stuff too, with yeah, with the gut and the diet and supplements. Yeah, mm -hmm. lots of supplements, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, our guys were um, both chronically had a lot of ear infections they were sick a lot mm -hmm. um they just couldn't they were like just kind of sick you know mm -hmm. so we had to help heal the gut get them healthy right so they could you know focus and actually live you know, yeah live yeah so. yeah 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 when we uh started with the the gut it was a little scary for, for me because, first of all, Regal would only eat. Do you remember what you only used to eat? Five things. Nothing but, <laughs> nothing but grilled cheese and, and pizza. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. Grilled cheese and pizza. That's the so best. <laughs> that's, that was it. That was it. And, and, and now we start working with this nutritionist who's like, you need to eat 
all these ancient foods and kefir and um, what was the other thing? Uh, it was like kimchi and uh, gosh, I can't even remember now, but it was all these ancient foods that I never even heard of. Right. And, uh, and just eating vegetables, like Rigo was like a vegetable, are you kidding me? And, but he didn't eat when we started introducing the new foods with him. He just, he wouldn't eat. He didn't eat. He didn't eat for about two weeks. And I was like freaking out. She was like, don't cave in. Yeah. He will eventually eat as long as he's drinking the liquids and, you know, he's using the bathroom. He's fine. He's going to be okay. And he started out eating onions. He ate one onion that was in this cabbage that I made garlic and onions and the cabbage and he picked the onion out and he ate the onion so then I made like a whole plate of I, I, he started eating onions <laughs> for breakfast lunch and dinner <laughs> and then um and then eventually you know he just he, he was like oh this is yum and he just started eating everything he started eating everything so yeah <laughs> that's great yeah he did, but the, he did have texture, you know, he has some sensory issues. Yep. So for the vegetables, I had to puree them. Okay. And so like he would dip his food in like meat into the vegetables, like a sauce, a dipping sauce. And, th and then sometimes he just ate it with a spoon, but you didn't eat vegetables like in their pure form until you were like 11 or so. I just saw that video the other day. For what video? When you ate your vegetables for the first time, you were like 11 and you were chewing them and yeah, it was good. solid. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, sounds familiar. We we battled with our guys eating different foods as well. And I think they yeah. probably had about four or five foods they mm -hmm. ate when they were little. And I could not remember. Yeah, you, you were too young, but mm -hmm. yeah, we worked with the um, a food person too that helped us with eating and, and getting over the sensory stuff and yeah yeah that seems like a long time ago yeah it was yeah, a long time it was ago. a long time ago it was a long time ago but it wasn't a long time ago you yeah, know exactly like it, and it's so crazy how like now it just seems like such a distant memory but when you're in it it's just like oh my gosh you yeah. know but now it's just like wow I can't even believe that I went through all of that, you know, that we were able to, to, to go through all of that. It just seemed like such a long day, <laughs> like one never ending long day. But, uh, but now it's just, it's like a distant memory, you know, it's just really weird. Yeah. yeah. One of the questions that I like, you know, I've asked my wife and she asked me and we've asked a couple other parents is like, mm -hmm. if you, if someone were to give you a very large sum of money to go back to day one and, and redo everything, mm. would you, would you do that? If I got money to go back and redo, like, what would I do differently? No, just um, if you had to go back and relive this experience from the very beginning and go through everything you've gone through. Would I do it? Yeah, would you do it again? Would I have to do it the exact same way? Yeah. No. Uh, 
No, uh, I, and that's a trick question because on one hand, I learned so much, right? And we we have such rich lessons and memories from the experience. Um, I often say autism is the best gift that I never would have asked for. I would I wouldn't be who I am. We we wouldn't as a family be who we are today if we hadn't had that journey. Right. So in that respect, I guess I would go back, but you know, I I don't I don't want to go back to anything just in life. I just I always I'm of the, the type of person that I I want to keep moving forward. I appreciate what I had in the past and those lessons, but you know, life is about movement. So yeah, mm -hmm. I want to be going forward, not backwards. So yeah. I'm thinking while I talk. So I guess my, my answer is no. <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer. I, I, I said no as well, um, but I wouldn't have um, not had the, I, I wouldn't have, wouldn't, I wanted to have, still would want to have that experience. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to like not ever have that experience, but I wouldn't want right. to do it all over again. No, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Noah, you want to jump in with a question? Sure. So let's see. So you have this book called Hello Autism. Um, so what inspired you to think about writing this book in general? Yeah. A couple of things, Noah. First of all, Hello Autism is was on the journey. There were many days that I would wake up saying, oh my gosh, like, I hate my life. Like, oh, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. And I got to a place where I began, like I said, all the lessons that we were learning and, and the impact that it was having on our family, good impact and um, all of the wonderful people that were coming into our life, uh, partnering with us that I began to just appreciate the journey. So it was just like, and I literally started waking up each day just with gratitude, you know, hello, hello life, which is the name of my coaching um, business. Hello autism, like, yeah, what, what are you gonna teach me today? Mm -hmm. um, the other pieces as, as we began to um, go on the journey, um, other, parents, um, every, any, anyone in our circle that knew someone who had autism, and I, I bet this happened with you too, knew someone who had autism, they would connect us, you know, with the families. And we began to um, mentor other families, um, other moms, um, and just giving hope and encouragement and um, just sharing the lessons that I had learned. So I just, I just really felt impressed that I had a, a calling to share our journey with other families so that they can have, you know, hope and encouragement. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a really good reason. Um, I think like having to finding those like little bundles of joy in mm -hmm. your life, especially when you're like dealing with all of that and holding on to those as hard as you can to get you through those times is something that's very underappreciated, I think, by many people yeah, nowadays. I would agree. I would agree. 
Yeah. yeah. And I would add on that. I think a lot of people don't celebrate enough. They, they wait for something mm-hmm. big to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, we celebrate the small things, you know, right. you have yeah. to. You have to, and you know what? You appreciate the small things because you know, right? You know how big it is. We used to say that um, every day Regal is climbing a mountain, you know, just the amount of um, effort and um, patience and and heart and courage that it takes to, to navigate life so differently right um so yeah when he is able to finally eat those those collard greens (laughs) instead of me having puree having a puree them you bet that was a big celebration you know because things that that kids take for uh, parents take for granted we have to work really extra hard in order for our kids to be able to do. So, so we, we had a lot of celebrations, a lot of dance parties, uh, you know, and celebration was a, a big part of uh, motivating um, Regal to do something, you know, he just would enjoy the celebration so much, it would inspire him to, to continue to, to, to do other things and to keep challenging himself. Yeah, it's important to, like you said, this metaphor, like climbing a mountain, it's important to climb the hill, take a mm-hmm. break for lunch, look back and see, oh, I've made it this far. Yeah. And then look in the horizon ahead and see everything that's to come and mm-hmm. think, well, I did that. I can do that. Right. And move your way forward and exactly. not become stagnant. Yeah. So true. Very well said, Noah. Yeah. Yep. Very true. That's kind of how I look at life too, just like, especially with the pandemic kind of like creating a lot of, uh, I don't want to say tension, but like a lot of slowing down the, slowing down the rolling ball mm-hmm. to a point where it was getting really hard to like push it forward. Uh-huh. Um, that was kind of a way that kind of after a few hard months, really getting through mm-hmm. spring semester, especially. And then once summer came, I was like, okay, we can, we can keep going. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, because if, if you made it through your first year, then you can absolutely make it through the second and the third and the fourth, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. It's so important too to be able to look back and see, okay, this is what worked for me, right? Mm-hmm. And um, because I think sometimes we we um, we experience success, we, we have these victories, but we don't really step back and see how did I get here? What's working for me? Yeah, It's really important just to kind of reflect, like you described, just really reflecting and seeing how that worked so that you can repeat it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we get, um, sometimes the Facebook memory will pop up. Yeah, I love those memories, right? Yeah, and you'll see how, how different, you know, it was even a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, Isaac, his brother, twin brother, you know, mm-hmm. he's doing so much, he's talking so much clearer than he did two years ago, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because we forget, as I mean, as much as we think we won't forget things, like we will forget. So it's yeah. so nice to have those reminders um, and to keep you 
in in the place of gratitude, you know, and to understand, wow, you're really you're really moving forward, you know. There really has been progress. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What? Still, kind of thinking, going back to the book. Um. Where, like, what audience were you intending for this book to be, like, kind of like thrown in their faces? Um. Mm -hmm. Who is the book? Who's the book really mainly written for? Yeah, it's it's meant for parents. It's meant for. Um. I mean, I work with women, so you're gonna hear my voice as a woman to two women, you know, two moms, but. You know, it's really meant for parents of kids um, on the spectrum or kids or special needs. That's really the focus. But I have to say that other people have purchased the book that are not on the spectrum and are not caretakers. And they've said, I've, I've gained um, some, some knowledge, some, some um, lessons just from reading the book as well. So I think that just goes to show that we can all learn from each other, no matter where you are in life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I would imagine that, you know, relatives like grandparents or cousins mm -hmm. or, you know, people that are not directly in your family, but just outside the, the next layer of the bubble outside could really benefit from a book too, because really, you know, part of the reason why we are doing this podcast is to really help people get a different perspective, you right. know, understand what, what autism is and how it affects mm -hmm. people's lives and um, coming through your voice and you hear your story and your perspective. Mm -hmm. That's got to help more than just, you know, people who have kids with autism. Yeah, you're right, Chris. Um, I have um, some uh, gotten orders from uh, um, um, educators. Yeah. Um, I have some some physicians that um, have purchased them and they give them to some of their patients um, as well. So therapists that are working with families as well. Um, and then just like you said, um, grandparents and, and relatives, they also, I mean, Right now, it's hard to live on this planet and not know someone that has autism or be connected in some kind of way, right? And if yeah. you care, if you love someone, you you want to uh, you want to get a better awareness of how to care for the people in your family that you love. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, sure. So what? Tell, tell us about one of your favorite experiences. Mm -hmm. um, this could be very broad. This could also be very like narrow. It's kind of up to you. Yeah. Like related to like yeah, like related to the autism, the whole process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you you want to take that read? Okay, so just going through what I did, it uh, it kind of showed me that. I didn't have to be so-called normal of a child. And as you may not know, I didn't even start school until I was in the fourth grade, which is, which is late for most other, most other kids. But even with that delay, 
I still matured and already am I looking for, already am I looking toward the future. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So what's your favorite memory? So with that in mind, it's just that when I was um, the um, sunrise program, mm -hmm. because there were a lot of there were a lot of folks who supported me through it, mm -hmm. and they left, you know, an indelible legacy mm -hmm. via via the door that just hangs up now. So that's kind of memorable because I may look upon it from time to time and see that see that they were there for me then just like the TU support staff is there for me now. Mm, yeah. And Regal's talking about there's a door that hangs in my office when he was in his, when we ran this program with him, we had um, a designated space we called the playroom and the door was, I had it cut out and it was like a, um, a two-way mirror so that we can see uh, what was happening in the room. Um, but with every volunteer, when they ended volunteering for us, they would write a note to him on the door and you know, just say goodbye, thank you for everything and share just some encouraging words. And we saved the door. So I had the door hung on the wall in my office. And so it's, it's just a beautiful um, memorial to have all of those signatures of all the people who have um, invested in Regal over those six years, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. That, that's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. and, and think about everything each of those people, each person has learned from Regal. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, you know, our guys and people, you know, Regal and other, lots of people in the spectrum are such great teachers. Exactly. I totally agree. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah, I, we I actually also have letters because um part of like our um, ceremony at the end of each year with the volunteers, I would have each volunteer write a letter to Regal. And every single letter, they thanked him for teaching him. Every yeah. single person said, said something about what they learned from Regal and thanked him for, for teaching him. And, and even to this day, I still get, um, notes and messages from people, especially with Facebook, I get DMs and things just sharing. I was doing this today and it made me think of Regal and, yeah. it, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. So I would say that's my memory too. Um, uh, not not the, prog the program, but um, we used to have, uh, we did a, a walk every year to raise funds for our program. We called it Regal's Walk. And that was so amazing. Just all of these people coming from all over um, to invest in, I call them, you know, my angels, Regal's angels. They would just come from all over and invest their, their time and 
their um, resources. And um, it was just a beautiful sight to see all these people walking, Regal's Walk, just to want to give and to invest. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You know, so one of the questions we always like to ask is, you know, how has how has autism changed you? And you've you've talked a lot already, but is there anything else that you'd like to speak on about how autism has changed you as a person? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's changed me. First of all, before I had Regal, I didn't even know what I didn't. I think I heard of autism, but I wasn't really aware, you know, and I can't really say that I was the most aware person or even the most sensitive. Like if I was in the supermarket and there was a child that was screaming their head off, I would look at the parent with the side eye, like, yeah, Can't you control your kid here. So <laughs> I've seen, I've seen those looks directed at me before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, but when the shoe's on the other foot, you're like, oh, okay. Let's have a little compassion here. You don't know what's happening with this family or this child. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say um, that's one of the big, the big things is it, it really raised my awareness and brought out more compassion and empathy in me. But the other big thing is, it just really just took my belief in what is possible to the next level. Because, you know, I'm sure Chris, when you have a child on the spectrum, you have to get all of these reports and these evaluations and you're sitting in these IP meetings and they're not always positive. And I know they're just doing their job. They just have to report the facts but sometimes the facts are not very hopeful. Yeah. You know? Um, and so for me, being able to be on this journey um, from um, the, what is not possible to what is possible and uh, being able to see the transformation, not just in Regal, but in ourselves and with all of the people who came around us um, and partnered with us to invest in him. That just really um, taught me about the, the goodness that's in people and um, just the power, the power of love and, and faith. Um, and those are just lifelong lessons that just trickle over into every single area, you know? So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It, I, yeah. I, I know that I'm a better person mm -hmm. because of our kids. You know, I had to be a better, you know, a better parent, you know, to make sure they had what they needed. But being a parent and being a better person, I think are two different things. And, mm -hmm. um, but I've become, you know, I think I've become better at both because of my guys. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's early on, it's, um, for, for me, it was a little hard to ask for help, but my wife, she was really good. Mm -hmm. We learned early on to like, let go and, and be okay to say we don't know and ask for help and, and find people that are willing and um, to help and, and really just work together as a team. And mm -hmm. when you treat people well, and 
people really want to help you, you know? So yeah. I always encourage people to treat, you know, when you're working with your kid, you, mm -hmm. you, gotta, you can't be confrontational. You got to come together and, and try to find the best solution. And Right. So, we actually wrote a, um, my, I thought of my husband because same thing. While my husband was very in, um, insisted on us getting re-evaluated to find out what was happening, when we did find out and we decided to go with the Sunrise model, that required a lot of support. It was some, you know, we ran this home program 40 to 50 hours a week. Right. You can't do that by yourself. So we had to reach out. Um, and so I was the, the, um, the influence in that. And, and my husband is so wonderful. He, you know, recognized the need for it as well. Um, but we actually approached it sort of like a mission. You know, we wrote a letter to all of our friends and family just explaining, because um, we hadn't even told people that he had hadn't, gotten the diagnosis initially. So we wrote a letter to everyone, told them about the diagnosis, told them what um, we were embarking on and, and asked for, for their help. And we said, you could um, either pray for us, um, well wishes, you can um, help us with running errands and just doing things around the home. Um, I had my daughter at the time, she was just born. So we were like, you can come and play with Nia so that we can work with Regal and you can um, donate your financial resources as well. And this was prior to Facebook and yeah. what is a, a GoFundMe and all those things. It was just, just mail the letter out, you know, but it was amazing, Chris, how people started sharing the letter with their friends and you tell one person and that person tells another person and another person. And we got such an outpouring of, of just love and support. It was, it was amazing. It was just so amazing. And um, again, that's when I, I, through that, I learned this, the power of being vulnerable and sharing your story and asking for help and um, extending invitations to people because people want to help, people want to do good. Yeah. And so if you, if, you, if you share your need, share an invitation, give them an opportunity, create the space. It's just amazing what you'll, you'll get back. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very well said. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Okay, well, um, we'll kind of wrap things up. And the way we usually like to wrap things up is, is to ask for your advice. So Regal, we'll start with you. No, you want to ask? Yeah. So what advice would you give to um, other kids like yourself about um, dealing with school or other life stuff? Just that you just that everyone has the potential to achieve what they want in life and that there is no one way to do it, nor is there a right or wrong way to do it? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, Teresa, so what advice would you give parents who are either just getting started on the journey or 
or quote unquote veterans like us or somewhere in between, what, what advice would you give? Oh, I would say that there's always a solution. So I would just keep seeking for the answers. Um, they may not come in the way that you think they're going to come, or they may not come in the time frame that you want them to come. But know that if you look for it, you'll find it. Just, just keep seeking for the best path in order to help your child become their best, whatever that looks like, right? To become their best self. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice. Yeah. Yeah. What's yours? What's my advice? I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, what's, what's yours? Yeah. Oh, well, I'd say you need, I kind of said this before, but you really need to um, be willing to work hard and work together with people. Yeah. Uh, I agree. You got to be vulnerable. You, you got to ask for help. Um, but you need to celebrate. You need to celebrate the little things. And you just have to keep like going every day because it's a grind day yeah. in, day out. It is a grind. So mm -hmm. if you and your partner are not on the same page, um, mm -hmm. things, you're mm -hmm. going to have problems. So you, you've got to get on the same page, yeah. and, um, have a plan. Yeah, that's so true. And let me add that since you brought that up, let me add too, if you have a partner, make sure that you create time just for you guys. Oh, yeah. You know, that's like so important to create space for you to just be away from the autism world and don't even talk about it, you know, just find other things to yeah about and enjoy because that is that is so important and even if you don't have a partner just just find time just to be by yourself away because we get so like monomaniacal right we're just like we just focus 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 focus, focus with the best the best for our for our children but um man you gotta just step away and just do something for you that brings you joy you know that's so true. You, you do have to be selfish once in a while. And um, for me, it's always been uh, running. I, every, mm -hmm. not every day, but a lot of times I always made space in my uh, routine and my schedule to go for a run. Because mm -hmm. um, it it's almost like a meditation for me just to get yeah. out and clear my mind and it helps me be healthier. I'm a, I'm a better dad, I'm a better worker, I'm a better everything when I do that. So not only should you take time for yourself, but you should take time as a couple, uh, like you said, and um, don't go to an autism conference together. If that's no. one time away, you can do something different. Yes, I agree. Yeah. absolutely. <laughs> what about you, Noah? For just, a, just, just like for general advice or? Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I've always gone with the with the mantra of everyone sees the world in a different way. Mm. So what your opinion of this is going to be different than someone else's or how, how people view the world in general, how people behave, how people just live their lives. And that's okay. And that was a hard thing for me to mm -hmm. understand. And then once I understood it kind of clicked and it made my life with 
other human beings a lot easier. <laughs> like for me, it was not for me, like in school, it wasn't like the material or anything like that. That was hard. It was the people. Like I didn't understand people for a, the longest time, and I still kind of don't. But I don't think anyone truly understands people a hundred percent of the time. Um, but I think it's like be patient with yourself mm-hmm. um, because things just take time to develop. Um, being social and meeting people and all that—that that is a, that is a skill that needs to be learned. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. And yeah, it does. Just like being yourself is also very important mm-hmm. and just being patient with yourself and there's no timetable you're not racing against anybody right um, you're only racing you're really only racing yourself right so absolutely yeah. so don't but, feel pressured by the people around you to do unrealistic things mm-hmm. you know yourself best just go with what you want to do so true so true yeah and i would add on to that now i and comparing yourself, it's really bad to compare it's, yourself yeah. to other people. Uh-huh. Oh man, so self-comparison is just the root of all unhappiness. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the autism community, you see, well, this those guys must have a lot easier because their kid is well behaved. Right. You, you, you still have that even within mm-hmm. the autism mm-hmm. world, right? Mm-hmm. But everybody is dealing with something. And so, but really you just have to worry about yourself mm-hmm. and worry about what you can control yeah. so you have to just run your race you know yeah. just I, I i just i believe that you should just always seek to to do your best and my best is different from your best right mm-hmm. we all we're all different but as long as we're all striving to do our best and we're kind to ourselves and to each other then, then we're winning, you know? But yeah. once you start looking at other people and comparing your journey to their journeys, then that's when um, all the madness starts. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I can't do that, yeah. Yeah, very yeah. good. Anything else for that you'd like to share before we? I think you want to share some. Well, I think that, does it here (laughs) yeah i think we covered all the bases yeah for today so yeah well i just i just want to say it's been it's been great to be here i want to thank you so much for for having us on um it's been wonderful to to hear your journey hear your insights um i've learned just being here and like you said that our children are the best teachers In in my book, Hello Autism, I I just share some of those um, wonderful, powerful lessons that I've been able to glean from living with Regal, life with Regal, Mm -hmm. that provide some powerful insights and um, truths to help just enjoy your life with your wonderful child because life is meant to be enjoyed you know and uh, I have a a hashtag that I say autism is not a life sentence it's it's really a wonderful journey of of joy if you embrace it and uh and just learn to to be yeah yeah that's great advice uh 
Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's not an easy journey, but we we don't learn from easy. Mm-hmm. No, we don't, right? No, we don't. The best lessons, but the the best lessons, you know, the ones that stick, are the ones that that aren't easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Well, we appreciate so much you guys uh, coming on the show and and sharing your journey with us. Uh, really it's been really nice to meet you you too and uh, yeah just thank you for coming on thank you thank you thanks for listening 